a debate with my with my father or my mother, and it, there was a tendency not to, out of respect, not to disagree with what they had to say. You know yeah, mean? no, I no, I get it. And actually, what I was going to say was, I think you found is that in order to have a courageous conversation with anybody, it must begin with respect yeah. for the other side. Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversations, a podcast addressing race relations and social issues in hopes that you'll be inspired to do the same. Now, let's begin our conversation with your hosts, Dr. Peter Weinstein and Dr. Philip Nelson. If you get out to the movies or if it shows up on TV, Sharon and I went to see a movie last week called The Purge. I, oh, I can't stand. I don't even want to see that movie. It is painful. I bet. I just don't like the gratuitous violence. Yes. That, well, there's that. no lack of gratuitous violence, but the, the violence goes back to the conversation that we had a minute ago about the cult leader and fear and violence. Yes, I know. And, and that's how uh, this could all erupt. In, in... See, see, I don't think people understand how insidious the, this, the, this threat of violence is. We are slowly evolving into a Russian culture. Oh, there's another discussion that you, you'd love to go into, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Back to the yeah. Putin discussion. <laughs> Thank you. I'm serious here. We don't have it's, a Navalny yet. Yeah. But the difference is the Russian population doesn't have the guns that we have. That's true. So it, it's even worse then, because yeah, we've, got, that, we've got the ammunition. That's right. And guess who has most of the guns? I, I don't have to guess. So I know you don't. I know you don't. If you look at the twenty-five, the twenty-five percent of the people that the the, the, voc, the vicious vocal minority we were talking about, mm -hmm. those are the Second Amendment people. Ninety-eight percent of them are gun owners. Now, I'm a gun owner, too, but I haven't shot my gun in decades. I might be a little scared to, to fire it now because I haven't oiled it. I haven't done anything, right? I believe in the Second Amendment, too. I don't, ha I don't have an AK-47, but I've always wanted to take my two sons, dress up in camouflage garb, and put up a billboard with the three of us with AK-47 AK saying, we believe in the Second Amendment. <laughs> uh, but that serves no purpose other than to frighten people, right. even even worse. As much as people think Blacks are the source of most gun violence, we are outnumbered 10 to 1 when it comes to gun owners. From what I gather, up until recently, it goes back to the Saturday night specials. I mean, it was just handgun violence. That was yeah. the issue in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Where... We're way beyond handgun violence now. I know. I look at the portrayals of violence in most of the of the violence is no longer handgun violence, except if you're holding up a store or something like that. You don't. I mean, handguns are self protection and and for for fear and threat, but not. I mean, I would suggest that most deaths are not handgun related. Well, come on, AK-47s are are war weapons. Yes. They're designed to kill people rapidly. Yes. And effectively. Yes. They weren't designed for self-defense. They were designed for offense. 
Mm-hmm. But but we can't have that rational discussion. We can. It's just that you can't have it outside of the the norm. Well, well, that's what I meant. That's exactly what I meant. I mean, we can't have that discussion at all because it gets uh, it gets muted with unreasonable considerations, and then people make the fatal error of attribution for your stand. Guilty until proven innocent. If a typical debate on gun control begins with, if you want to pass a a character checks before you can buy a gun, if you're in favor of greater gun control, then then that means you're just trying to take my gun. Okay? So how is it that if I pass a law that says I'm going to make it harder for you to uh, to buy a gun, how do I translate that into I want to take your gun? And the only way you can do that is to say, if we tighten up our controls of of uh, selling guns, that's just the first step on a slippery slope. And so we use that analogy, and already we've perverted the discussion, and. We perverted the discussion to the point that we don't care if you are a licensed psychotic. You can still buy a gun because to restrict a gun from anybody would put you on that slippery slope. That's why we can't have this, the conversation. You, you know, it's interesting, Phil, and, and since this is courageous conversations, um, we can't have a gun control discussion. We can't have a voting rights discussion. The the biggest, we have reached a point in this country that we can't have discussions on issues because the polarization is so great. The, the Venn diagram, there's so little overlap for common discussion right now that you can't even have these conversations without creating huge gaps you know and again this goes back to the last probably 30 or so years and we've talked about this i believe in the past as well is is when did the rifts and our ability to have conversations start to move further and further apart because it's getting you can't have an um, you can't have a logical discussion any longer with anybody well i think we have to change our language as well as our perspective mm-hmm. when you make the comment that we can't have the discussion because we are so polarized. You are submitting to defeat right there because there's no way to unpolarize a hyperpolarized situation unless you have a discussion. There so I don't think that's the reason we can't discuss it. I don't think the fact that we're polarized is the reason we can't discuss it. I think we don't, we have lost the art of discussion. That's interesting. And, and I would agree with that. One of the things I would love to have as part of the business class, I would love to have groups of three students take either side of a variety of different veterinary issues and debate them. Yeah, we've lost the art of debate. Look, right. this country was founded in a polarized environment. But having the difficult conversations, courageous conversations, isn't fun. No. Well, it is because I'm having them with you, but yeah, well, but you know, but I, I almost, I, I don't know how to put it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I'm 
waiting for this. I know. For some reason, we can't insult each other. I think it's because deep down, we realize we share a lot of the same views. And either I don't respect you enough to be insulted, or I love you so much that I know that even when you say something that irritates me or raises my hackles, I know you didn't mean it personally. I think it's respect. I think so too, but I didn't want to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like having a discussion with a parent or a sibling, although more like a parent. A sibling. So, so I'm the parent? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> mm, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> it's out of respect that I won't say that. <laughs> it is a challenge. I mean, I, I, there were times that I, I wanted to have a debate with my, with my father or my mother, and it, there was a tendency not to, out of respect, not to disagree with what they had to say. You know I mean? Yeah, no I, no, I get it. And actually, what I was going to say was, I think you found is that in order to have a courageous conversation with anybody, it must begin with respect yeah. for the other side. If it doesn't, you can't have the debate. And if you don't point that out to your students that, look, this isn't a game. This isn't an exercise. This isn't just an exercise. Let's start, before we get into the issue, how do you feel about this person? Do you respect this person? Ask yourself, don't give me an answer, just ask yourself. And if the answer is no, then this isn't gonna turn out well. It will be interesting to couch things in that fashion. I have colleagues now that when they bring a problem to me, I have to stop and just make sure I, I look at this problem from their perspective out of respect for them. But if I believe that they're coming to me without good faith and can't accept an honest analysis and recommendation or judgment, then it's not going to go well. Because I don't respect the perspective that they're bringing. If I am comfortable that they want a solution and they think they have an idea what the solution should be, that's different. I can, if we're all working to try to come up with a rational solution, even if it's a compromise, then we're working toward the same thing and the outcome will be better. But we respect each other because we know all we're trying to do is solve this problem. Yeah, well, if with respect, you learn. Right. Without, without respect. It, without it, you, you just fight. Correct. Or you, without it, you ignore. There are some members of local, state, and national politics that respect each other no matter what side of the ledger they're on. Unfortunately, there are way too many that don't have any respect at all or have lost respect because of some of the actions that they've got. And well, so, I, you know, for instance, uh, I, I have very little respect for Mitch McConnell. Uh, I vote with you on that one. And, and, that's, and that's because I watch him use the fatal error of attribution in, 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 a, in just about every speech he gives. When he explains his positions, when he says, we don't need a commission, on uh, on the on the Capitol riots, 
he will inevitably say the Democrats simply want this. Yep. Instead of just defending his position with his opinion. And in assigning motive, he becomes both political and arrogant. He doesn't want to have the courageous conversation. No. Well, that's, that's obvious when they won't even discuss the HR1 or HR4 bills in the Senate, let and alone you know vote on it. And, and I always thought of politicians, you know, before I understood, that that's what politicians did, is they had, de they had good debates, they had good discussions, they presented facts, and, and they may not have agreed, but they were willing to listen to the other side. And I think one of the things that we're dealing with currently is both sides won't listen to each other. Yeah, well, that's the idealistic version of politics. Welcome I, to white privilege. Yeah, well, of you know, everybody thinks that that the uh, uh, that the Constitution was originally written that way. Mm -hmm. You know, all of our early movies showed the delegates from the thirteen colonies coming together, and they showed how tough the discussions were, but they were debaters, right? What they didn't show was the dirty politics that went on at dinner time. Yeah. What they didn't show was how the Virginia clan went to dinner and talked about the Massachusetts clan while the Massachusetts clan was talking about the Maryland clan and the Maryland clan was talking about the New York clan. Yeah. And how they needed to get Georgia and, and, and Virginia together in order to get this phrase into whatever, into the constitution, you know? So it's never been a simple debate. It, we've always had these dirty politics. Well, and they still, they live on in, at all levels. At all levels. On. And the point is, is that I thought of several stories while you were talking. First of all, we have always been a polarized society. Secondly, we have always buried that polarization under the guise of civility or civil debate. Uh, there's nothing civil about debate. Debate is nothing but verbal war. But I prefer verbal war than actual violent war. And violence is all we have left if we can't debate. Thank you for joining us for another Courageous Conversation. Be sure to follow us and check back next week for more.